Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. Hey, everyone. It is Flashback Friday, and we're flashing back to this year's Sundance when we zoomed in with director Pedro Cos of the documentary Rebel Hearts. Rebel Hearts is now streaming on Discovery Plus, and this was actually a pretty special interview because uh, Ange grew up in a Catholic school and had a lot of thoughts and interesting stories to uh, trade back and forth with the director. So here's our Sundance 2021 interview with director Pedro Cos of Rebel Hearts, which is again streaming on Discovery Plus. And we are on filmsgonewild.com and Bitch Talk. My name is John Wildman. I'm here with my co-host, Angela Tabora and Aaron Lim. We are virtually at Sundance 2021, and we're going to talk about the documentary Rebel Hearts. Uh, with us today, the director, Pedro Cos. Pedro, nice to have you on the show. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we are all loving on this film. So um, why don't you introduce our audience who has not yet had a chance to see the film, what Rebel Hearts is about? Well, Rebel Hearts is about the extraordinary kick-ass Immaculate Hearts, uh, Immaculate Hearts sisters um, who were an order of Catholic nuns in Hollywood, California, who bravely stood up uh, to the patriarchy of the Catholic Church um, and the ever-powerful Cardinal McIntyre um, standing up for their what they believed in um, and who took part in movements like the civil rights movements, the anti-Vietnam War movements, um, and continue to cause waves to today. That yep. is in a nutshell. Okay, well, we, we, well, we, have a, we, have, we have a Catholic school girl in, in our midst, and I think Aaron and I are going to take a back seat to Angela. Angela, you the <laughs> Yeah, Pedro, I, I can't tell you how much I, I love this film. I'm a recovering Catholic schoolgirl. And um, I grew up in L.A. and IMAC was our rival high school. So oh, wow. um, it really just touched on a lot of things from my past. Like, you know, I see a nun today and I have a visceral reaction. Like I lower my head and I soften my voice. You know, it's just something I live with. But um, I love that you talk about the history of why they became nuns in the first place, especially growing up in the 50s and the 60s. These are just independent women who didn't necessarily want to get married and have kids, you know, and they, they saw a chance to get an education. And I really, for someone like me who has seen nuns one way my whole life, I was actually thinking like, hot damn, if I was born in the 50s, maybe I would have become a nun, you know, and um, I, I'm just curious to see how this film has changed some preconceived notions that you may have had about the nunnery or organized religion in general. Absolutely. I, you know, Angela, so there with you in terms of uh, the, to put a, to be, to put a very mildly, my very ambivalent relationship uh, with, um, 
with the institutional Catholic Church. You know, growing up as mm -hmm. a, as a as a gay man in in Catholic Brazil, uh, you know, that was always a, a very um, fractious and tricky relationship. Um, and one of the things is that they bloom open my imagination of sort of the antithesis of what you think of what my mom's a Catholic school, what my Catholic school uh, upbringing was. Uh, and it was really one of opportunity and possibility and of being reaching out and being part of the world of empowering um, not only their sisters, but their students to be all they, 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 they could be leaders. And this was the most refreshing thing is that this was a time when um, women were afforded a lot, you know, even less opportunities. Um, they were very, um, for, you know, growing up in the 40s and the 50s, all, in, all the way through, you know, the, the, the second wave of feminism in the, the late 60s and, and 70s, um, there were not very many options. And as one of the former students said, um, this was a time when it was um, rare for women, women to uh, get a college degree in, in the way that they, you know, in the way that we take, you know, that we see now. But one of the things that was really e extraordinary was to see this um, incredible community come and empower each other. And they, um, the, the Immaculate Heart Sisters would send their fellow sisters to get PhDs. They had more PhDs than all of the priests in Los Angeles. They were getting PhDs from Stanford, from Columbia, from, the, from USC, from the best educational institutions so they could come back and be the best teachers and professors to empower their students to go out and be leaders, to, uh, to be leaders in the, the world of art, the world of science, the world of business, the world of politics. Um, and there are many, you know, alumni of the, you know, of the Immaculate Heart College who went on to have very influential careers and who credit um, these extraordinary women for, um, um, for their leadership, for their empowerment. Um, and I think um, that's what was so refreshing because we're, you know, Angela, you and I were sort of very used to a certain, you know, my, uh, my, my mom has, you know, her share of very uh, scary, my, I might add, it was also terrified of the nuns that she went to, uh, to she studied under. Um, but I think looking at it from the lens, one of the things that, that was really kind of mind blowing is looking from that lens of like the lack of opportunity um, that, that they were afforded. And if they, if marriage, as, as Professor Briggs says, if like marriage and being the, leading that kind of life was not in, was not appealing, was not in the cards, options were very limited. Um, and it's really fascinating to see, um, you know, the many different reasons why um, they joined the orders. I have a question for you because I was struck by um, something that I wasn't expecting in watching the movie. Uh, Summer of Soul uh, has gotten a lot of kudos, uh, appropriately so, uh, for this year's Sundance for um, showing us uh, the late 60s and giving us a snapshot into the late 60s. But I have to tell you, Rebel Hearts, you, um, you know, during that late 60s period with, and with Carita's art and, 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 and the footage you have, man, you just drop us right into, um, you know, in, into that period. And so my question is this, is that 
I could have seen the possibility this could have been a very standard issue talking head documentary, but you successfully do not have that. You, through your footage, through the way you, through the editing, you give us a very vibrant film to tell this story. And I would love for you to talk about um, the efforts and the challenges um, in putting that together in that way to make sure that we had something that took us for a colorful ride as opposed to just a lot of information. Well, thank you. I, first of all, uh, that means the world uh, to hear that coming from you. That, that was always the goal to, to make it because they were vibrant. They were colorful and joyous. And for me, the, the way I, I, I like to tell stories is exactly to be as immersive as possible, to, to envelop you in the world for us for us, the, the viewer, to go along on the ride with them, to feel and experience in a way almost like we're experiencing with them. Um, this, was, this was made possible through many different ways and through, an, through collaborating with extraordinary artists. Um, first, um, I, you know, I have to really call out our extraordinary visionary producer, Shawnee Isaac-Smith, who 20 years ago began documenting these extraordinary women and, be, uh, and amass a treasure trove um, of firsthand accounts with a lot of them who are unfortunately no longer with us. Um, people like um, Anita Caspery and Helen Kelly and Pat Reef, um, who, you know, unfortunately have since left us, but, um, that Shawnee was able to film their firsthand accounts and also begin to amass uh, another treasure trove of archival. Now, the materials where we're, we're talking about are, you know, sit down interviews um, and some footage of, of them as a community. And then we began to amass photographs. There's some film fr um, from their own archives, um, correspondence, um, and, um, and then there are other filmmakers uh, like Bayless Glasscock, Tom Conrad, Haskell Wexler, and others who were filming uh, at the Immaculate Heart College in the 60s. So when, you know, when we discovered that, that was just like, ooh, other treasure trove. And you see that film, it is a Kodak Koda, a Chrome dream. Literally, <laughs> it, is, uh, it is wonderful and you know, for lack of a better word, delicious. Um, so, so lovely and, and wonderful. Um, and so one of the things was amassing all these different, um, different elements. And then for the, for the spots that we didn't uh, have anything really to tell the story, we, we want to be a little bit, think outside the box. We had our, uh, our saying in, in the edit room, whenever we were stuck, whenever anything, we would ask ourselves, what would Karita do? Um, and uh, she and the IHMs were always sort of guiding lights. And um, we, we thought, well, Karita would probably, you know, bring this to life in a different way. And so I, I began to discuss with um, Judy Korn, who is uh, one of our amazing producers and has a background with animation. And I was like, I was thinking of animation and she's like, mm. and an animation that feels 
tactile that feels like it's born out of Corita's art. Um, and Judy said, why don't you look at this extraordinary Icelandic animator, Una Lorentzen, who uh, is based in Montreal. And then I looked at Una's work and literally jaw dropped. I was like, that's it. That's Rebel Hearts. That is it. Because there was this beautiful artisanal tactile um, treatment in, uh, in the way that she worked with animation. Um, and when we connected, she was also so inspired by Karita's art. And we began to have this beautiful uh, collaboration where um, in order to bring the story to life and to make it a cohesive element throughout, um, she began to animate sections of the story. Um, and, and then everything kind of like took a cue from that, you know, our motion graphics team, which, uh, you know, uh, we had six extraordinary motion graphics artists also really kind of taking um, a cue from them and from um, a lot of what the Immaculate Hearts were doing at that time at the college. They had something, this extraordinary bulletin called the Irregular Bulletin that was graphically <laughs> really inventive um, and also outside the box with the, the how they use typography and how they um, layered in images and um, it was all really vibrant. And I think it just contributed that um, to, uh, to that liveliness at that time and something that we wanted to replicate on our end on how we, you know, we approach the visual style of the film. Yeah, yeah. What, one of my favorite parts of the film is, is watching these women after everything that they've gone through. It didn't turn them away from their faith. You know, they form their own secular group and they're like, OK, we're going to do, do it our own way off, off over here on the side. And I think uh, the fact that they didn't lose faith and they realized that they could still carry on in their own manner is, is such an important lesson. I'm hoping that across the board, Catholic institutions share this in, in Catholic schools. Um, and I, it's just beautiful because it, like love, love doesn't look like one thing. Success doesn't look like one thing and neither does faith. You know, faith is something that's so personal. Um, so I'm wondering what the, if at all the Catholic community has reached out or seen this and, and how these women are perceived by them today. Absolutely. Well, I love that you said that. I, I, I really, that re very much resonates with, with how I feel as well, Angela. And thank you for saying that. Um, I, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because um, there, the film and the story has also been really embraced by the Catholics who I've, I've heard from, who, um, um, from Catholic sisters who have been inspired, I think, um, by, by the story of the Immaculate Heart. Um, you know, um, there, there, there are accounts um, that after the, the Immaculate Hearts split from the institutional church and, you know, formed a community, that they heard from um, other, they, they heard from other communities um, that in a way either apologize or um, uh, for not standing up for the, for them or um, or just in solidarity, you know, saying that there were when this was all happening, communities around the country and, and frankly around the world were well also beginning to reform because this was a, a specifically a v extremely well educated 
group of extraordinary women, you know, they were definitely, I think, leaders in that movement, but they were not the only ones. Um, and, um, and so this was happening around the country. And I think for many communities, it was a bit alarming to see the fierce reaction from the, from the Los Angeles uh, Archdiocese and Cardinal McIntyre. Um, and they, you know, they have some support, but at the end of the day, it's really hard standing up to a, an inst that side, you know, the, the mastodon that it is. The, the, and so, um, but decades later, um, the, it, the church in many sections of the church, because I think we see the institution as a monolith, but I think it's actually a lot more fragmented and, um, you know, has different pods uh, than, than we, you know, than sometimes we think about. Um, but there are very, very sympathetic um, uh, people within the Catholic church and within the Catholic institution actually that are, um, even we hear from uh, the former secretary to, to Cardinal McIntyre who, um, who expresses, you know, in a level, a certain level of regret for how they were treated. Um, and they were extremely treated extremely unfairly. Um, and I think it's easier for many of them, even if they don't agree with everything that the, the sisters were doing, but it's easier for, for them to, to see that now. Um, and, um, but in a way it's, I have to, I have to ask if, if this hadn't happened, one of the wonderful things that I think is that they, their imagination and their faith went beyond the structure and they thought beyond structures. And that's what, that's also something that's very beautiful to me and sort of revolutionary. And I think um, in a way they sacrificed a lot, but I think it, open you know, new worlds for people like me who has felt, you know, also not very welcomed by a certain institution and mm -hmm. see the possibility of a faith out, you know, as you said, that faith is something very personal and they follow their, their personal convictions and they are still doing great work and they're still out there. So there is a way. And I think in a way, um, their sacrifices and their struggles have not been in vain because I think they have opened a new life for a lot of people, including myself. Well, I think you you really have have given um, you know as a, a, to to do a one a one film document on the history of of what they went through, what they achieved, um, who these women were. Um, it's remarkable, and you know, I mean, you obviously. You had subjects that deserve celebrating, and you know, and certainly sp speak for themselves, and and just emanate all kinds of charisma and 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 and, and wonderfulness. And this film really delivers. Uh, uh, Pedro, congratulations on the film again. We've been talking about Rebel Hearts with the director Pedro Cas. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. It's been an honor being here. Thank you so much for having me. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. 